0: John twelve seventeen, so the crowd who had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead were continuing to testify about it because they had heard that Jesus had performed this miraculous sign the crowd went out to meet him thus the Pharisees said to one another you see that you can do nothing look the world has run off after him now some Greeks were among those who had gone up to worship at the feast So these approached Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested, "'Sir, we would like to see Jesus.' Philip went and told Andrew, and they both went up and told Jesus. And Jesus replied, "'The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. "'I tell you the solemn truth. "'Unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, "'it remains by itself alone. "'But if it dies,' It produces much grain. The one who loves his life destroys it. And the one who hates his life in the world guards it for eternal life. If anyone wants to follow or serve me, he must come where I am. My servant will be too. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. To set the context of today's podcast, the Pharisees are seeing the miraculous work of Jesus. And and th- and this is said about the Jews, that the Jews seek after a sign and a wonder, but the Greeks, they seek after wisdom. And in this passage today, the first thing that we see is because uh, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, that in this context, the Pharisees are coming after him, and they're saying, Uh, look at his signs and wonders and because he's able to perform a sign and wonder uh, the whole world is running off after him and then after this moment these greeks now are coming after jesus and they're wanting to come after him so they approach philip and they say sir we want to see jesus let me just start out at the beginning of this podcast letting you understand this one concept in this end time Before God glorifies his church, there's going to be a great signs and wonders camp that are seeking after Jesus for a wrong motive. And and it's going to be really crucial that we discern leadership, especially in this last hour, because... The Jewish side, which is, let's just say the right-based side, is going to seek after signs and wonders, and the Greeks are going to be seeking after wisdom. They want to see Jesus. Why? Because there's a propensity inside of us to want to see the sensational and the miraculous. And Jesus is going to present a picture here that is maybe in, in, in contrast to what is going on even in his culture and in his day. And yea, we'll be in this end time before he comes. Jesus sets the the picture of, look, I'm gonna tell you the time has come for the son of man to be glorified. But when he says that, he says this, the way this is going to happen is a kernel of wheat is going to fall into the ground and die if it remains itself alone, it, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it's going to produce much grain. And the one who loves his life destroys it. And the one who hates his life in this world will guard it until eternal life. The seed of the gospel or the seed of Jesus and his way forward is the way forward in which he says, this is the pattern of my father. Now. I just recently heard a story and um from a friend of mine, Brad Ames, and he was taken into a I believe it was a vision or a dream and there were all these people sitting around this big banquet table and at the banquet table there were these these individuals and they weighed like he said, you know, they weighed like over six hundred pounds. And they were taking uh the Bible and they were taking sheets of out of the Bible and they were tearing the sheets of paper out of the Bible and they were eating them and, and digesting them. And they were just getting fat on eating, uh, certain aspects of scripture. And at the same table, there was also others that were seated there and they were, uh, they had these sparklers and they were going around and sort of dazzling with the sparkles. And, uh, And Brad said that every once in a while, someone would stand up at the table and that they would look out like a far off and they would see a cross. And the cross was way out there and some of them were getting up from the table and they were going to the cross. And I remember him sharing this with me and I was listening to him. I said, you know, Brad, what I think you were seeing at the table, those who were... uh, Eating too much and it, you know, went to the 600 pounds. And those who were dazzling with sparkles is you're seeing the, the ones uh, tearing out of sheets of paper because they seek after wisdom, and they seek to exegete certain aspects of Scripture right. And he's like, yeah, Carol, that's exactly right. And I was like, and the dazzling sparkles are the signs and wonders, Camp, that are seeking that apart from a relationship with the Lord. And, you know, he said, yeah, that makes, you know, a lot of sense. And even in Jesus's day here in this passage today in John 12, he's setting the whole context here of Pharisees who are saying the whole world's going to follow after him because of signs and wonders. And then also the the, the Greeks are like, man, we want to look into this guy. Uh, and I think most likely to, because they're seeking after wisdom. And Paul would say, you know, this is what this is what the Jews do. They seek a solid and wonder in the Greeks' wisdom, but we preach the cross of Jesus Christ and him crucified and none other. And of course, Paul had every right to boast in his uh, intellectual superiority, his uh, doctoral PhDs and his abilities. Uh, Jesus is saying, look, a grain of wheat is gonna fall on the ground and die. And if it dies, it will produce much more grain. Jesus in this context today and is presenting us with a a paradigm for the end of the age. And I and I want to suggest this that the path would have to be the path of humility and the path of the cross. And that, that is the gospel path. And I want to set the stage today for that as we enter into this podcast um, called Planting for Millions. In um, Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah has had an encounter with the Lord where he's brought up into the throne room and he's going to be commissioned by God. And he's he's going to say some things like this. He he says that uh, he's contaminated by sin and he's a, among a people that are com- contaminated by sin. And, and many of you, you already know this story, but he, he comes in and a seraph comes and he touches his mouth with a coal of fire. He touches his lips and he says, your sin is forgiven. And he hears the sovereign master say, whom will I send? Or who will go on our behalf? And he says, here I am, send me. Now, I don't know if you've heard the messages preached, woe, woe, go, but he's woe is me. He gets down on his knees and he says, you know, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people with unclean lips. And the Lord says, go, you have testified clearly of me and I'm going to purify your mouth so that you would speak only on my behalf. And then he, he, he goes on in Isaiah 6, and he said, He said, I said, go and tell these people. Listen continually, but don't understand. They, they look continually, but they don't perceive. is receiving a commission to go to people who can't hear, who are constantly trying to hear God's Word and look for God's Word, but the Lord is saying they look, but they, but they don't understand, or listen, but they don't, they don't understand, and they look, but they don't perceive make the hearts of these people callous, and make their ears deaf and their eyes blind otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and their hearts might understand and they might repent and be healed and i replied how long sovereign master i mean hey think about receiving that kind of ministry I'm going I'm going to come out of the throne room. I'm going to have my mouth purified. And then when I come to the people of God, they literally are not going to be able to hear a word I'm saying. They're not going to understand me because I've become unintelligible to them. The language of the world is so inundated into their mindset and hearts that they can't even hear when Isaiah brings the word of the Lord. And they can't see. So when he starts to say, This is the perspective of the Father. This is how he views you and how he views your situation. They don't even, they, they can't get him. They are looking, but they can't even perceive what he's trying to say. And he says, uh, how long will I have to be in this kind of ministry, sovereign master? You know, I don't I don't know, like, if you've ever been with someone and you're trying to get a point across to them But no matter how much you try to get the point across, you cannot get them to understand. Or if you've ever just been misunderstood by somebody, I don't understand what you're saying. I mean, I don't get you at all. And why do you talk so parabolically? Or why do you talk in a way that uh, from these biblical passages and I, I can't understand what you're saying? And there's like this dullness that takes over when you're trying to minister in certain settings. Yeah, I mean, I've ministered now for over a decade, and I can tell you uh, how difficult it is to penetrate the dullness of people's minds and their hearts with the word of the Lord. And so Isaiah's experiencing this. He says, I want to know how long am I going to be in this kind of ministry I recognize you as my sovereign and you're my ruler. But I mean, hey, I don't wanna be in an environment like this. And listen to what the word says. He said, until cities are in ruins and unpopulated and houses are uninhabited and the land is ruined and devastated. And the Lord has sent the people off to a distant place. And the very heart of the land has been completely abandoned. Uh, you know, I know a lot of this happened to us back in 2008, in 2008. There, you know, there's a lot of houses left vacant. I think some of you probably listen to this podcast are like, you know, because I, I know I received uh, really my dynamic uh, calling to ministry out of the, the 08 crisis. And I I think that the way I was headed, I was doing business as usual, even within ministry. And I was, you know, launching a business and trying to make things happen. And next thing you know, there's a lot of homelessness striking our land and we're going through some real trials as a country. And I I really think that, you know, even out of of the Twin Tower collapse and that hit against our nation and then the 08 situation that the Lord is allowing this and I really think it has to do with a lot of the prophetic voices that have been prophesying uh, clearly from the Lord, like Isaiah was. And but nobody's listening. You know, nobody's like waking up to hear what the Lord is saying and uh, and he's saying, you know, hey, the cities are gonna have to go unpopulated, houses are going to be uninhabited, the land is ruined and devastated, and the Lord has sent the people off to a distant place. And of course, Isaiah is prophesying, you know, within the exile situation that I don't know why it has to be this way. It's It's been this way for my family, maybe for yours. Uh, but we've had to go to a different location. We've had to taste some of these kind of things. I don't think that maybe it's the father's best interest for us, but been in a long seasons of exile. And if that speaks to you today, I think this podcast is really for you that have been pulled away from maybe what you knew, uh, like Abraham and Sarah or, you know, like Joseph, it was pulled into a dungeon environment and that uh, that you yourself have gotten to taste something of what it feels like to be uh, maybe homeless or in a house, lost your house or, or had your land devastated and things have been taken away. And, and what does he say here? And, I, you know, I, I want to give a redemptive word here, and that's the purpose of this, Podcast not to talk about all of our abandonment and the land being abandoned, our houses being abandoned and things like that. But this is what the Lord says in, in verse thirteen. Even if only a tenth of the people remain in the land, it will again be destroyed. Like one of the large sacred trees of an ashroth pole, when a sacred pillar on a high place is thrown down. The sacred pillar symbolizes a special uh, chosen family. And another translation says, the tree or the nation is chopped down, but the stump, a righteous remnant, will remain from which God can restore the nation. And and it says in this passage, I'm going to pull it up in, a, in another version here, but it says here in the end of this passage, and though, let me just read this in Amplified Classic. And though a tenth of the people remain in the land, it will be for their destruction. It will be eaten up and burned like a terabith tree or like an oak whose stump and substance remain when they are failed, or have cast their leaves. And here, here is at the end of Isaiah 6. The holy seed or the elect remnant is the stump or in the stump and is the substance of Israel. So I wanna read this quote and and whether you like John D. Rockefeller or not, I I like this quote he said. And he, he said, oh, how blessed young men are who have to struggle for a foundation and a beginning in life. I shall never cease to be grateful for the three and a half years of apprenticeship and the difficulties to be overcome all along the way. Um so when God wants to deal with us, well, he's going to get beneath the foundation and he's going to get it down deep. Because he's uh he's after a seed. And I mean Jesus is the a uh, patterned son. You know, we're looking at John twelve, he's he's implying himself. He's saying, Unless a seed goes in the ground and die, look, uh there can't become a great outpouring. There can't uh, be this great release. Unless I go to the cross, we're not going to have an expanded family. And so Jesus is modeling for us very much. So what he wants to see uh, out of us. And so he's going to bring us to a place of digging down into the place of foundation. So out of this, I want to go in and and like this podcast has been, I want to just go in and share uh, some experiences that I've had with this uh, and I believe that happened a number of years ago we had I think the my first indication of this was I had received a call from uh, Laura Miller and, and the Lord blessed her and who she is She's just the most wonderful intercessor and godly woman and you know just loved spending time with her and she had come to the church and and been there with us. And and Laura calls me one day and she said, "Uh, Carol, how are you doing, son? I I need to talk to you for a minute. And I said, yes, Miss Laura, uh, what do you have? She says, well, I had a dream last night. And in the the dream, you uh, were on this big tractor, uh, big John Deere tractor, and you were out plowing a field. And and she said, uh, and I knew that you had finished plowing that field and you jump down out of your tractor and, uh, your little boy, Manny, and uh, what's his name? I said, Manasseh. She said, yeah, yeah. The Lord said to make sure that you know, uh, to say his name, what's his name mean? Pastor Carroll? I said, well, his name means Manasseh means causing one to forget the toils of your father's house. She said, yeah, yeah. Manasseh. The Lord said he's real significant to It's real that he's real significant to this, uh, to what you're doing out in that field. And I said, well, what happened? She said, well, Manny, Manasseh, he brought you a cup of cold water. And uh, you were really hot cause you have been farming all day to get this ground tilled up and ready for planting. And uh, you jumped down off your tractor and there Manny came across the field with a cup of cold water and handed it to you. Well, I said, Laura, thank you uh, for calling. And uh, I'll just pray about that and see what the Lord might say. And uh, she she always prayed in tongues. And I mean, fiery, fiery, fiery. And I have a lot of stories I could tell about her, but just awesome, godly woman. And uh, we got off the phone. And uh, I have my phone, of course, right in front of me. Uh, up on my phone pops an email. And on the email, it says... It's time to plant. And I thought, oh, Jesus, you definitely are talking to me. It's time to plant. And I remember I was in the car rider line at Veritas Christian Academy, ready to pick the kids up. And I said, oh man, this is really going together. Laura Miller's called me. I know that woman here's from God because she's one of the saints in heaven's, probably got a throne right next to the Lord, as godly and as sweet as she is. And I know she's heard from you, Lord. Now someone else has just sent me an email it says it's time to plant. Well, I thought, well, all right, well what what does that mean? And I just want to pre warn you, anytime God tells you it's time to plant <laughs> Well well we heard what Jesus said in John twelve. Man, it was like trials just started coming. And uh well I went to tell some of our guys that were on our team and um we went to the Ingalls in Mills River, North Carolina. It was They have like a cafe there. And we were sitting there and it was uh, Jeff Manning, Christopher Ford, and Josh Lewis. And we're sitting there together. And I was telling them, I said, I really feel like the Lord's saying, it's time to plant. And uh, and I, I think he's telling us, give all the money of the ministry away. And uh, we need to just, just go, go at it and just give everything away. And While I'm telling them this story and I told them the dream from Laura and everything and I'm kind of getting excited, uh, right across from Ingalls, a new John Deere guy had come in there and opened up a retail store. And right when I'm telling this story about the John Deere tractor, all these John Deere guys come and sit around us at the tables in the cafe and they all have their John Deere hats on, their John Deere shirts on. And I said, see, I said, guys, I'm telling you, the Lord said, it's time to plant, and it's time for this great awakening to come. And, um, I guess I was so excited because I thought, you know, it's, well, I think this is in, man, I don't want to get my dates wrong, but I think this is, uh, around 2013, somewhere that maybe the fall or spring or summer of 2013. And I'm thinking, this is the time God's going to do it. You know, he's going to plant, plant this thing and, uh, things are going to go now. What ends up happening is not what I think is going to happen and a lot of hardship starts to come and if you get a chance listen to Mandela and Beyond podcast because it's going to come next and then after that it's going to come the Abrahamic Revolution podcast and listen to those because they they tie into this and after that after that time of the Abrahamic Revolution, I'm really spun out. I think our leadership uh, in MZ Hop goes through another big rocking season. You know, I, I tell about that in the Mandela and Beyond podcast. You know, we're really struggling. And one Sunday, and this, this was very uncommon, Kara and I, we never left our meetings. I mean, we, I think we take a vacation once a year. On Sunday, we'd be gone once and then maybe maybe one other time or if it snowed. But I don't think we missed hardly any meetings all the years that we were in ministry. We are there to, uh, to minister the word to God's people and go on the line for what he was saying. But this weekend, for whatever reason, we weren't there. And we went to Charlotte and went to a Joy Christian Fellowship where Akira's parents attend and where my parents had attended before with um, McLean and Denise Fall, Pastor De- McLean and Denise Fall, some most beautiful people and lovely people. But that Sunday, uh, Luke Fall, their son was ministering the word. And he uh, he gets up, um, the worship's going, and he sees us in the crowd, Kara and I are standing there. And I gotta tell you, I'm in another one of those low moments because uh mz hop's being rocked and i'm like in, just in a really low moment and i said uh trying to just hide in you know a congregation of 250 to 320 people i don't want to to be seen and luke's up there and luke says uh, we want to pray for Carol and carol Moffat today and uh, so he he they, he starts praying for us and blessing us and blessing our ministry and And I, you know, I just put my head down and and received his prayer. And he tells the congregation, listen, I believe that some of you have prophetic words for them. And if you do, after the meeting today, I want you to go up to them and and talk to them. Now, uh, after the meeting had finished and and, uh, people were letting up, uh, three people come up. And one man, he was probably, I'd say in his 60s or 70s, he's, you know, taller than me. I think he had to be at least 6'4", 6'5" older gentleman, um, and then, then a little lady, uh, I think was a little widow lady, and then a a, uh, a Jewish man with like a, I think he uh, had a kippa on, and they lined up, these three, the little widow, the older, uh, taller man, and the Jewish man, and the uh, Jewish man, or excuse me, the taller man, he approaches me first, and he's looking down his nose at me, and he says, son, and I'm thinking, who are you calling son? You know, Because <laughs> I'm not in a good place, but, but he said, the Lord says you don't believe him. And I'm thinking to myself and I said to him, I said, who are you to say that I don't believe the Lord? You don't know what me and my wife and our family have been through saying yes to Jesus. You have no idea. He said, well, I don't care what you say. The Lord said to me and I hear from God, He said, you don't believe him. And I said, I don't believe him. I'm like, man, we believe him for anything and everything. He said, no, he told me you don't believe him. And I said, well, he said, you don't believe him because he told you millions upon millions upon millions, tens of millions. I don't know if he said hundreds of millions. I'm not sure. But he said, we'll be touched through your ministry. Now you gotta understand, uh, we're in Skyland Fire Department, there's probably twenty-five to forty people meeting. I I'm not sure of the numbers, because I quit counting because it didn't matter. And you know, we we're just after finding the word of the Lord in the meeting and plowing through in worship. But the church is definitely small, it's definitely not even more than a hundred, and it certainly isn't a thousand, and it certainly isn't even close. To a million. He said, No, this ministry will touch millions upon millions of lives and it'll be changed dramatically uh, for the Lord. And I said, You're right, sir. I don't believe that. And he said, Yep, I knew it. He said, The Lord told me, and I know when He talks to me that you don't believe Him. And almost like he's like one of those, I told you so people that none of us want to be around. You know, it's like, who wants to hear the I told you so uh, person. And this guy's kind of like that with me. And he's sort of offensive, you know, and I I know God will send the right person to offend you sometimes. At, At this time, I know the reason why I was there. I was at Gordon Conwell working on a doctoral degree because I thought, well, people aren't going to believe this. So if I get a doctorate, maybe I'll have some credibility. And of course, while I'm in the doctoral program, the Lord tells me to leave it because credibility is not going to be found in a doctoral program that he's the only one that can bring credibility to what he does. And so I was was going to drop out. I I did. I I, uh, took a leave of absence and closed out, you know, that's that time. Well, The little little widow lady comes up after the taller, older man. And she says, uh, sir, uh, the Holy Spirit gave me a picture. He said, you were in a field. And you had been in this field for many years. And she said the field was filled with rocks. And she said, he showed me that you and your wife have been carrying rocks out of a field by hand for years. You've been... Uh, having to do it because you didn't have the equipment that you needed so you did it by hand and that you've been basically preparing a field for years now mind you laura miller spoke this word to me right that there was on a tractor and uh the the field had been prepared she said and he showed me that before you could even till the ground you had to you had to get the rocks out or after it was tilled you had to get the rocks out just so they can be prepared and for years upon years, I'm sitting there listening to her, and I'm like, "That's why this has been so hard." I mean, because it was like, for us, for my wife and I, and for our friends and people we were walking with, it was it was kind of like every time was just hard. Every time we put a foot forward, we get like tried to be kicked back three steps back. It was like, man, why is this so difficult in this ministry? And uh, and so you know, when she said that to me, she said. Uh, but the worm wants you to know the field is ready because y'all have been preparing it and I see that. Uh, I, I see the field ready. Well, she finishes and here comes the uh, Messianic Jewish man. And now you have to understand this. I wouldn't believe what he would say if he was too close to the little lady because I think he's just picking up off what she said. But he was far enough away and I think he might have been talking to somebody else. And so when it was his turn to come in front of Kira and I, he says, uh, he comes over and he says, I see a field. And I said, oh, (laughs) you do. He said, yeah, I see a field. And he said, y'all put seed in the field. And he said, and I see these little plants coming up out of the field and they're about three to four inches tall. And the Lord wants you to know to just be faithful that he sees the field. One day a harvest is coming. and right now, he just wants you to be faithful with that, those little plants and take care of them. Because those little plants one day, is going to bring a great harvest. And man, I knew. I'm sitting there and I it's so surreal to me. And I'm like, I knew that God had spoke to me. Well, I went back to the seminary of which, like I said, I'm, I'm going to take a leave of absence from, and there's, I'm in a class with 12, 14 pastors, and there were four of us milling around over there at Gordon-Conwell, or four or five of them, and they all have these awesome words from God, and I, and they're awesome, uh, you know, men of God, and I'm, you know, you know, they're doing work overseas, and I mean, up in Canada, and it's just, I love them, and I've heard their stories, and I said, you know, you guys have these amazing prophetic histories. I said, I gotta ask you a question. Because one of them, I believe he was in Iraq and he's running like, working with Muslim refugees and I mean, they're leading with the gospel and they got these great ministries. They're just amazing. I said like, I gotta ask y'all a question because I'm afraid that I'm running into either narcissism or uh, I've got some kind of uh, social issue in myself or a psychological issue or, or something. I was like, have any of you ever heard anybody tell you that millions yay, upon millions are going to be converted or changed through your ministry? Have any of y'all ever had a prophetic word like that? Is that just something where the devil tries to deceive you and trick you and, and he's going to do this big move like that? And they all looked at me and they said, nope, not me. And the other one said, nope, not me. I have my word from God and my clarity on my ministry i don't have anything like that and not me and and not me and i said well i said well i i just don't understand this i said this weekend i was like sure as a world uh what god had confirmed it said to, to, to me like almost 15 years ago this man said that what god had said to me that i didn't believe it and that i needed to believe what god said to me and i need to go and hold the line on it That one day, he was going to uh, shape millions upon millions of souls uh, for his kingdom. And uh, so we left that meeting that day, and Karen and I, you know, we talked and things, and I was, you know, kind of surprised uh, about all of it. And I said, well, what do you want me to do? Or he said, go back and continue doing what you've been doing. Uh, I've got a path that I want you to go on, and you've got to follow me in it. And Uh, I've shared some of that path in these podcasts and you can hear it, but it eventuates in in a date that's going to come up later on when we finally advance our second time into downtown Asheville, And this was last year on, uh, May 27th, 2018. And the Lord wakes me up that morning and he says to me, uh, Isaiah fifty-one verse sixteen. He said, I, I, "I want you to minister this word." Now, this is going to be our last day in the Hyatt, and or what what is better known as the high gate. And the word had said, "This is the eighth. This will be. The, this is the eighth gate, and it's this is to go on the line for my government because I'm going to bring my government of the order of Melchizedek on the earth, and I'm going to land this government." and uh and I'm gonna put my feet down, like Kurt Bennett and I had talked about in Nashville, and so we're at the High gate at the Hyatt, and it's time to deal with this uh situation, and the Lord says, "I want you to say today isaiah fifty one sixteen and preach, and so I preach this word, and I have put my words in your mouth and have covered you with the shadow of my hand that I may fix the heavens as a tabernacle and lay the foundations." of the earth, and say to Zion, You are my people. And the Holy Spirit says, you know, preach that and I and I preach that morning because the Holy Spirit had said to me, He said, It's time to plant. And he said, I'm going to and let me say this in the King James Version I put my words in thy mouth, and I've covered thee in the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens, and lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. And um, that was our last day at the Hyatt. Now, you're going to get this when I get into phase uh, zero, the final frontier. And I'm I'm going to teach on prophet, priest, and king. And, but I I knew that morning, I knew that morning that I prophesied from the Lord that he's going to plant his government. You know, it says foxes have holes and birds have nests but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Another way I'd like, maybe you could hear this is the son of man has no place to lay his government in the earth. And I believe wholeheartedly that he's saying that he wants to bring his government into the earth uh, through his remnant and plant that seed. And so for the next nine months, and we've just come to the conclusion of this just a little bit ago, on March the 3rd for the next nine months I, I would say probably the the uh, hardest trials personally I've ever faced in my entire life uh, with with our wife and our team and our prophetic team uh, of OOMZ and on on March the 3rd the the, uh, the Lord woke me up 2019 woke me up that morning and he said it's time to plant and I thought I wonder why you're saying that to me this morning and and what ends up happening is we get a word from God out of Jeremiah 31 and he said it's time to go to New Covenant uh because I'm going to put together uh Judah and Issachar because um that's Nick Honor Camp's church out in Clyde, North Carolina. Well uh so after that week I was I was sitting before the Lord and I said, Lord you know what's going on? I'm having a hard time understanding this. And and, and he said, uh, I want you to check this in a pregnancy calculator. Go back to May 27th of 2018. And I want you to look at it and, and see what the date is. And so I, I punched in my iPad, May 27th, 2018. And uh, guess what day comes up? The day a baby would be born. March the 3rd, 2019. And I was just sitting there, I was just so surprised because the word had said, you know, you've come to the end of a nine month season and it's time uh, to start the planting of this, uh, of this work called the uh, Melchizedek order in the earth. And you have to understand, you have to understand when Jesus was, when he comes in in his triumphal entry, uh, Jesus, the Judean is sitting on a donkey, and that donkey is representative of the tribe of Issachar, and again, you, you've got to go and listen to Abrahamic revolution to understand this. But before they can come in to establish God's government, those two tribes have to come together, uh, Judah and Issachar. And, and but when they come together, and I and I've got to say this, I've waited for this for years, and our and our team has waited for it. And the Lord was really trying to help me to understand something because it, it was really difficult for me to understand what was going on. And he you know, he, he spoke to me a lot out of um, aviation because that's a field that I'm familiar with and the Lord does that. And he had, he had taken me to Edwards Air Force Base out there with them in the test pilot era. And when they were testing uh, to go out into outer space, and uh, prepare for the Apollo program, the Gemini program, the Apollo program, and then the Space Shuttle program. But what was happening was these guys, these test pilots, were out there in, in California at Edwards running tests with the X-15, you know, earlier on, the X-1 and different uh, the F-104 Starfighter and different aircraft. And, and they were going up, uh, like they were taking the X-15 and putting it on a wing pylon on the B-52 and climbing up to about 30,000 to 36,000, 40,000 feet. And they were dropping the X-15, which is a, a rocket propelled engine on it. And it would shoot up into the atmosphere. And if, if you get a chance, like watch the episode of the first man at the very beginning. And so uh, Neil Armstrong in that, uh, the movie, The First Man, he comes off that wing pylon and he goes up into the atmosphere and when he gets up, he gets up at around 200,000 feet and then he drops down to, I think it was approximately 147,200 feet and then the X-15 that he's in, they were running tests to go in and in and out of the atmosphere had some problems because it started ballooning off the atmosphere now basically, it didn't have the directional controls that it needed to deal with the, uh, the dent air density because the air density up there is really thin and and they're running tests on the aircraft to get it where it can come back through. And so the gravitational pull wasn't strong enough and for him to come back in. And in the scene, in the first man, Neil Armstrong is able to stop ballooning off the atmosphere, adjust his controls in such a way that he gets the aircraft nose down. And within just a matter of minutes, he's on a dry lake bed and, uh, you know, down on the ground. And the guy that was overseeing his project... Uh, and I, I love this this kind of story because it you know we're so connected with International House of Prayer Kansas City he says at the very end of this he says well I think uh, this is the third time he's done this Neil Armstrong we should get Bickle to ground him <laughs> and I, I you know I couldn't help but smile because I was thinking of Mike uh, Bickle out there in Kansas City and the work we're involved in with Galactic Progeny and and how they're just so uh, married together and they they go together and Trying to get his senior, you know, the senior pro- project administrator to ga- ground Neil Armstrong, and what I come to find out about the X-15 program and the programs with these test pilots was that sixty-two of them in a nine-month period had lost their lives, and the Lord really highlights this to me, uh, you know, after March the third, and, and he and he shows me that the trials that we had just went through in that nine-month period would have taken the life of or caused pain in the leadership to such an extent that so many maybe wouldn't pass through the trials. And it, he let me know that it, it was like our, our family and our team had taken 62 deaths through a nine-month period. And I, I'm going to tell you, I've I never had meltdowns like I've had in that period. I mean, you just completely go into uncontrollable tears and just burst and shake all over uh, because of, of what was happening. Sixty two deaths. And he's like, and this wasn't just, you know, regular pilots. This is a pilot engineer or mathematician or scientist that's running test trials on ascension. And I would take this podcast and mix it with the one that I've done called the Lucifer Appeal because they go hand in hand. Because the church right now is going through this whole ascension motif, and I, and, I'm, and many in the leadership of the church are being you know going through trials related to this. And and of course, I'd love to hear from you and, and interact with you if you're going through this on. Ascension, but there's these five aspects of space, and I just want to say this: X fifteen ends up getting up into the thermosphere. I believe is about 108 kilometers up, and that's the highest it ever gets. And which is, you know, the fourth aspect or fourth atmosphere, because there's five five atmospheres that you can climb through: the one that we live in, the troposphere, and then the stratosphere, then the mesosphere then the thermosphere, and then uh, the exosphere. And within those five atmospheres, and again, go to the Lucifer appeal and listen to it. uh, We've overlaid the five-eye wheels of Lucifer, the five-eye wheels of God, and the five-eye wheels that we can speak back to God. And I think this is really poignant, especially for our time and our season when God is seeking to plant uh, his government. So while there's as we close out here, there's a planting that is going down into the ground that requires us to go up into the atmosphere. And so the Lord is bringing us up and then he's putting us down into the ground to uh to cause a seed to die. As of March the 4th, at least of 2019, you know, just prophetically speaking, uh, that day for us starts the beginning of what I believe is uh, God authorizing uh, here, even on this planet, to bring an order called Melchizedek into the earth. That we are going through that planting season, and I I think. If I'm right, I think Chuck Pierce is down in the Carolinas. It's going to be uh, a weekend after this in Dutch Sheets. So this matches with them. I I know this matches with a word that I heard from Michael Fickus in the Green Comet that came out of Morningstar back in uh, 2018 in November. And so I, I just want to say the voices of God are speaking about this. And it is it's coming on the earth and the Lord is making a planting right now. I don't know if you know this, but uh, and I'm going to close with this. A pastor friend of mine, uh, Stephen Birch, he sent this to me. I believe it was from 1793 to 1933. The inauguration of the U.S. president was, get this, on March the 4th. And if March the 4th fell on a Sunday, it would be March the 5th. But that's when they inaugurated uh, U.S. presidents in our in our uh, American history, and he sends that to me the very next day on March the fourth. That God is inaugurating. Listen and hear this. He is inaugurating his government into the earth to plant the heavens in this hour, and that we are very much you and. And I are very much a part of this, and I I wanna encourage you today in your engagement with the Lord and uh, and prayers to give yourself wholly to Jesus. If you don't know the Lord, turn your heart towards Him right now and say, Lord, save me. Lord, give me grace to save save me. I wanna make you Lord of my life. Lord, help me, if you're saved, not to seek after a sign and a wonder. Signs and wonders are meant to follow those that believe. We're not to seek a sign. And, and not to seek wisdom for wisdom in and of itself, but to walk with the Lord who is wisdom, who will give us wisdom out of our relationship with him. So that we're not just seeking an intellectual pursuit of proper exegesis and we're not going after that. And we're not going after just signs and wonders and charismatic events. They're meant to follow us, not, not be the thing that we seek after. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Give yourself fully to Jesus and his way. His way is the path of humility. And I don't mean false humility. I don't mean being sad. I, I don't mean being mad, but I mean the oil of gladness flowing down over you, that you have a glad heart because he's been anointed with the oil of gladness above all his fellows. And I pray that for you today, that you'll feel the oil flow down on you, even right now, into this. into this Jesus I just pray, by the power of your Holy Spirit that you bring oil. Uh, fill us up Lord, cause your oil to flow in us help us Lord to uh, make you our vital necessity and requirement that you're everything and all that we ever longed for Jesus we pray that you would be magnified and lifted up that you're that you're the king and, and we pray for this restorative plan that we would say restore like Isaiah 42 that we would call for this restoration Yea, from a 500-year reformation, we call for the restoration of all things. And to bring you out of retention, Lord, we we just ask you that what is happening in heaven will agree on the earth and that we would agree with you, Jesus, especially in this hour. In your name, amen.